0: You're listening to the Lead to Think podcast, a podcast that brings together and inspires small business owners in the salon, spa, and fitness space to be empowered in their everyday decision-making. My name is Lauren Gish. I'm best known for being a coach and strategist in small business. I'm also a salon owner in Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to be talking about key strategies to keep you from being overworked, overwhelmed, and drowning in debt to being rested in control of your business and more than profitable. I'll be sitting down with industry experts and business owners that are just like you to discuss the lessons they've learned and the strategy that's helped them build and survive the roller coaster that is small business. So on today's episode, I want to introduce you to Nicole. Nicole and I have worked In the same realms, so she's done stuff with a similar company. We know a lot of the same people, and we've been around each other as far as education goes, and I've kind of gotten to watch her career a little bit over the last few years and see what she's doing, and I thought that she would be a great guest today. So, Nicole, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much.
1: Um, Okay, so my name's Nicole Gillick. I am a salon owner out of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I've owned salons now for going on 20 years, had a variety of different models. So we've been rental, we've been blended, we've been commissioned. Um, what we've done for the last probably eight, nine years now is that more of a team based pay model. So we have a set hourly wage for our staff and then they bonus together as a team. Um, and that's been really fun for us. So we've enjoyed, um, building a team with that pay structure, And we feel like it's the most culturally like cohesive model that we've had. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I always, I definitely want to like have a side conversation with you and ask you more about it. Now I know you're also in partnership with your husband, right? Yes. Yes. So have you guys always been partnered together?
1: No, I owned the first, I owned my first salon for eight years before Charles and I partnered. Um, So it was an interesting dynamic when I suddenly had to learn how to be a partner with somebody um, because I was pretty used to just making the decisions. And um, our biggest struggle was like choosing a salon name because we we couldn't agree on anything. And I kind of thought he would just eventually say yeah, whatever you want, and he didn't. And I was like, wow, I'm gonna have to learn how to do this a little bit differently. Um, But I love having a partner, and I think having your, I mean, obviously it can be challenging. People say that to us all the time. I don't know how you can work together, be together all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But really for us, we've found that in our relationship and in our business structure, we do so much better that way. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no mystery about why somebody might not be in the best mood when they come home. Like We know. We know what the other one's been through. We know what our struggles are. Um, I would say the hardest part of that is just, Balancing it to where work doesn't become your entire identity as a couple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would be an easy thing to like be eating dinner and then be like, oh hey, did you hear about this? We need to look Absolutely. at our spreadsheet. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys have a practice at all where you try where you try to set those boundaries? You know, we've had to
1: to establish and reestablish throughout our years of owning. Um, those boundaries mostly will just look like, you know, hey we're going to try and leave it at work. It's still all consuming. And I wish that we could balance it differently, but I I don't really believe that when you own your own business, there's a whole lot of work life balance because your business is your life. Yeah,
0: it's true. Yeah, it
1: really is. You know, so I feel like even with our kids, it just becomes, it's become so much a part of who we are that it is a struggle. What we try to do is find other hobbies, other things that really will consume your mind to do together. Because if it, you know, even if it's like working out together or doing things that, and sometimes we do that and sometimes we don't. But, you know, I I think it's challenging to find those things that will fully consume you so that you can actually take a pause and get away from the salon.
0: Yeah. So my husband is a partner in our business. It's me and Heather, my business partner, and then okay. both of our husbands as well. And my husband's our business manager. And it's tough because you love it, right? So right. I'm just like excited about something and I want to talk about it a lot or whatever. And then I'll be like, Oh, I'll be talking like we have other stuff going on. Okay. We have little kids. We have like a bunch of things right. So like it's good, but even if you love it to like set try to figure something else out. So today we're going to talk a little bit about um, leaving insecurity behind and entrepreneurship, as you know, I'm sure solo and partnership over time is hard and it's not for everyone. You know, like we've seen, I'm sure I've seen myself, many people be like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be awesome. And then kind of the curtain gets pulled back and it's like, oh my God, (laughs) I'm on a stage all the time and don't know what I'm doing. So in that vein, it can really push on all of our insecurities. And so when you were, I think you can speak to this in two ways. So you can kind of take the wheel here, but when you were on your own and then when you partnered, like how did it push on your insecurities? What did that look like for you?
1: You know, it was interesting when I was on my own, I purchased the salon that I worked in. So that was a really interesting dynamic. I don't fully recommend that. Um, because the transition, hundred percent, so,
0: don't recommend.
1: Okay. Yeah. it's you know the transition is so hard to go from. For one, if it's a bad situation, which it was, everybody there was like, "Oh yeah, you're the savior, so you're the most amazing person." Until the first time you have to say something that somebody doesn't want to hear, and as those things started to happen, I noticed that there was such an insecurity in me to be liked. Like I wanted to still have friends. And then what I found too was if I had friends or if I was better friends with a certain group, then the other groups were pissed off. Like they, are you
0: saying like with your staff?
1: Yes. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. You know, so you had friendships that had been in place prior, which I oh, did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm the owner and we're still friends and we're not doing anything different than what we used to do. However, the people that didn't ever run in that circle, because it was a large salon, so there were a lot of different kind of cliques. But it didn't seem like a necessarily bad thing until suddenly I was the owner, and then that didn't work. And so then, as other groups of people that were on our team started having resentments about that, I didn't know how to handle that insecurity, and I just wanted to be liked. So I continually tried to, you know, give everyone, what they wanted, like what Mm -hmm. I know what stylists want and this is what they need. However, that's not a really viable business plan and ultimately resulted in not, I mean, it wasn't technically a walkout, but it was a walkout. Like someone basically took my space and then took my staff. So that's a whole, that's another whole episode. So we have to talk about that another
0: time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Wow. So how did those things overflow into your personal life? Like as you were wanting to be liked and making all of these kind of yeses, right? Right. For everyone.
1: You know, what was so interesting because then you would go home where you're already spent, you're exhausted from now trying, constantly trying to make sure everyone's happy and navigate all of that. And then you go home and you want the same from your family. And mostly, you want to be there for them. You want to know that you're being a good mom. But then my stress level, my workload was so much more than it had ever been. I had four kids. And so it's, and they were ranging, at the time I bought the first salon, they were ranging in ages from like 12 down to newborn. And so busy, busy. Perfect time. Exactly. 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 It seemed like a good idea. Um, you know, it's like, I think I could do this. I know what people want, you know? So then you would go home and everything's changed for them. You're now never really off work because there's always a problem. It becomes consuming. And I think ultimately what it started to develop in me was like this codependency to have just anyone say, I'm doing a good job. And then when that wasn't happening, because you're also used to just being a stylist where your clients tell you every single day. You know, a full book means you're awesome. So yeah. now, no one's really saying that anymore. No one looks at your spreadsheet and says, "Oh, that's an amazing spreadsheet. You did a great job on it." Um, and so I start <laughs> yeah. it's crazy, you know.
0: And then I'm your still, ki- you go home, and your kids and your family aren't giving you that affirmation either. Really, okay. you know, really
1: like crazy. You walk in the door, and they're like, "Thank God you're here." You know, for my husband, he was like, "I, I you know, I want to get out of here. I've got." things to do with the older kids, and you're, you have the two little kids that need so much out of you. And I mean, really, those were the hardest years in owning by myself, um, because my husband at the time didn't understand really what was going on there. And I feel like I lost a big piece of myself and my mind for a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. it took, took a minute to kind of I went through a divorce. And then it just took some time to really get restructured and figure out how to even be passionate uh, because I resented the business after yeah. my divorce, you know? So it was like, how do you get, how do you find your passion again and how do you make this purposeful? You
0: know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And just that I think there's a time too where you, I've gone through this and maybe you can speak to this too, where you you're resting on so many things and you're like, I'm pouring myself out for you. I'm pouring myself for this business. I'm saying yes to everyone. And it feels like as you grip tighter and tighter, like sand running through your fingers, like, and then you're losing so much. And then you're just, I was just angry. Like, I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's just, I still probably say
1: that 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 once a week. I don't think I want (laughs) to do this anymore.
0: I like to tap out yeah. now. Um, you know, I think
1: too with that whole thought process, learning that my employees, the people that choose to come work for us, I had to change my perspective. Mm-hmm. Instead of like living in a place of "Hey, I give you this opportunity. I want you to have a great life." Th- those are my intentions. However, they are choosing to come work there, and it's not their responsibility to know how hard I work.
0: Right. And it's that's not their a burden job. either, like to lay it out. It's like telling your kids, you know, like, do you know how much I do for you all day? And then they're like, they don't care. They're like, that's your choice. You have me, you know, I think that's what the backside of having a business, you can't, I mean, you made the decision, you know, so how are you going to make it healthy? So, When all of that was happening for you, tell me about the time in between your first salon and then doing, doing it again.
1: Okay. So there wasn't a whole lot of time in between, which is interesting. So Mm -hmm. we had been negotiating on our lease in the first space and it was kind of, it was right during like the 2007 recession. So things Mm -hmm. are starting to not look good. Um, It was a complete rental salon up until maybe the last six months. Then I started transitioning into commission because what I found for me um, with rental, I had a huge salon. So at my high point, I had 39 renters there. Oh my gosh. Well, support people. So, you know, I'm 28 years old. I'm trying to manage a life with four kids and then all these people renting space What tends to happen or what tended to happen in my experience with rental was people were really good for about three years and then renters tend to hop around. Um, I think what really happens for them is no different than what happens for most of us. They're super passionate and excited about something new. Part of our industry is challenging in that way because you can be pissed off and get a new job the same day. You know, we're in other industries it takes some time. You have to fill out a resume. You got to go through a series of interviews. You got to do these things that help you get to a place where, Hey, maybe this isn't the best decision. Maybe it would be better to stick and, and try and work through some of my issues with whoever in the salon or whatever. So I think that that becomes challenging as a business owner because people can move on so much. So in rental, I'd started to lose some people I think we had had three different stylists open their own salons, which then took a cluster of people with them to go do, you know, whatever. And probably some of that's a result of my leadership of basically trying to be everything for everyone, you know, not just getting solid and saying, Hey, this is how we do it. And being okay with the fact that maybe somebody wasn't okay with that and just running the business. So I was a little all over the place, lost a lot of people. Um, When we were negotiating our lease, our lease was coming to an end in October. We started negotiating a renewal, um, had been there eight years, never missed a rent payment, you know, had a great relationship with our landlords. Recession hits, we lose nine people and they move like literally right up the road. And so I contact our landlord and I said, hey, I either want to reduce the size of this space or I need to reduce my rent. Like we're just not... There, right now. Um, so, we start that conversation. We do a whole big packet of stuff for them. They're happy. And ultimately, um, all of a sudden, they stop talking to us. I sent them a rent payment. Yeah, it was interesting. I sent them a rent payment. They returned it, and I couldn't pay rent any longer. They would not accept our payments. So, I don't know what's going on. I'm talking to business consultants, and they say, listen, I don't know if they have something else they want to put in here or what the deal is, but you need to find another location. you got a good business. So I sit my team down, ask them if they want to go with us. Yeah, everybody's in. We're going to go. It's good. And three weeks before opening our new space, we found out what happened, which was somebody that I had worked with for 16 years, called my landlord, took my space, and then took our entire team. So we now have a new location that we're building out we have 3 weeks to open and we have what was myself, my now partner, Charles, and my husband and um two other stylists and that's it. Wow. So there was no in between and when we opened in that space, it was 2 years of I mean really hell of just trying to rebuild. Um yeah. but being gritty about it and I I was determined that I wasn't going to fail and so But then I think also lose a whole team of people and have all these people know that that's happening. That then pushed me further into those insecurities of like, Mm. oh my gosh, what's going to happen if these people leave me? I'm going to be even better. I'm going to push harder. I'm going to. So it wasn't until I finally started really working on myself in that realm that we started to get to where we're more successful now.
0: Yeah. So that's so big because that, I mean, if you're looking for approval everywhere and then you have this huge, I mean, like a coup, like everybody just blindsides you and then takes over and like, that's nasty. It is. Even Okay. Even if say, even if you were like really, you know, in the their eyes, person. the worst boss or the worst exactly person ever. That's like, That is that's insane. insane. Yeah. That's insane.
1: You know, and some of those people I considered my best friends.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, they, they, and the secrecy. And yeah, I think that's yeah. so rampant in our industries. You know, like some of my listeners, I have people that have fitness studios, have um, nail salons, and it's something that seems normal, mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so
1: and people approve of it, you know,
0: and people they are like, that's just business. Right. whatever." And I really in the way that we structure our business, like how can we think higher and be so secure that if it happens again, you just know how to rebuild again and not exactly. have to affect you. So when did you really, you know, you said you started working on yourself, but you had to really dig your heels in and make some change. For you, so that you could really sustain what you really wanted. And so, what did that look like for you moving forward?
1: You know, it's such an interesting thing. It's because it's really a process. I wish I would say the defining moment for me was realizing that one, everything isn't 100% in my control, I can't control everything. And that moment really happened at a time where it was like, well, I have $300 left in our bank account and I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how we're going to do this for, for two years, I didn't take a paycheck. I lived off my credit. Like I do not know. And I mean, for me, definitely I live in a spiritual God realm. And so it really did become letting it go and just Mm -hmm. saying, I know I'm not in charge, but if this is what's meant to be, show me how to do this. Show me what steps to take. And then I realized, like, it's not going to happen overnight. It didn't fall apart overnight. And so it does become this, you have to be proud every day of just taking the next best step. What is the next best thing that you can do? And so really digging our heels in was, the first thing we did was we both became educators for the brand that we're with, because we felt like, okay. We need some inspiration. We have to stop being the top people in our everyday life. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're sitting at the highest point and you have the best clientele, how do you get fed? And if you're not feeding yourself, how do you then in turn feed other people? Because the burnout, like every day, we weren't pushing ourselves to fully grow. We were just trying to grow people and grow. And and our, our intentions were great in that, but it was how do we find a way to feed ourselves? And at that time, podcasts and this kind of thing was not so available, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. You had to actually attend a seminar or, or seek someplace out to find some sort of motivation and inspiration, you know? So yeah. that was a big, big, huge thing for us because then all of a sudden we found ourselves surrounded by groups of people that were doing what we were doing or had done more than what we had done. And so you find mentors and you find ways to, to find your confidence through them. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you feel like once you made the decision internally to just stop kind of pandering to everyone that you started finding the people that you needed to mentor you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I think that's so powerful. That's so powerful. So what, talk to me a little bit about also, so you decided to change your pay structure. Which really changes the way everything's structured, right? So why did you make the decision to go from, you know, everyone, like obviously everyone rented and left and that wasn't good. So was that your main reason business-wise to be like, you know what, we're going to turn this on its head or what, what was the culture intention behind that?
1: You know, for me, the biggest thing that I struggled with in rental was, the environment that I felt like I was creating something that I, that I held with high integrity, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't really do that when I have people that I can't or couldn't, I didn't feel like I could have boundaries for. So if you want to come in in sweatpants, you can come in and sweat, like people could kind of do whatever they wanted to do. Now I know that there are rental salons that structure stuff differently. um, But ultimately at the end of the day, it's still the same scenario if someone does a lousy job on someone's hair. It's your name. Um, Mm -hmm. if the rental salon wouldn't have been so large, then you wouldn't have had to have, like, I think that you can have great success in rental. If you find the right people that share your same vision and you guys all do it together. So I think that that can be an amazing, like co-op and, and can work. But for us, we didn't have that fully established. We had Basically, you want to rent space? Okay, that sounds good. Let's do it and see how it goes. And so you were constantly felt like you couldn't hold your business to the level that you wanted to. So we ended up initially moving to full commission, worked with business consultants at that time. And I would say the most pivotal moment for me was when we really went head to head with our business consultants and said, listen, we see a pattern here. Um, because we're growing all these people at the same rate. You know, we had all young employees and initially everybody was hourly because they weren't making their commission Mm. business still wasn't strong enough financially to then take the hit of all of a sudden, all those people started hitting commission at the same time. And I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like, this is not sustainable Mm -hmm. for us. And they would tell us, well, you're still not making enough. You're not generating enough to, to have an owner income. You've got to be behind the chair. you got to, you know, you, you shouldn't be taking an income as an owner. And it was at that moment that I was like, okay, this is kind of bullshit. Like who wants to own a yeah. business and do all this work and, and then have somebody say to them, okay, well, in this industry, you don't deserve to get paid for any of oh, that. Yeah. And I just finally was like, no, no, I'm going to start. I doing love stuff. it. Other things, yes, I'm not doing
0: this. This is insanity. It's so common though. I mean i I consult with lawns and I and other businesses, and you would be shocked at that's like such a common thing where people are told to lay their life down for right. their team if they can they can do it and then just not take an income because eventually they'll get there. and I'm like, you're gonna resent your whole team. Yeah. You're going to be so upset, so mad. So yeah. and then yeah. it's like, you
1: do hair, you leave your tips in the business. You do, you can pay yourself like you're taking a salary, but you really can only take a salary based off of how much hair you do. And I finally was like, we are so in our own way. Like, this is ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm. We don't
1: even, how do we even stand behind the chair or teach a group of people to value themselves if we don't value ourselves enough to say, no, we have yeah. paid first and then we figure out how we can offer an amazing opportunity.
0: Yeah. Well, and you're, I think that that's where people, um, get confused with money, right? Because any other industry, like you're an employee of the business, like you're not yeah. even just because you're the owner, if you're actively working in the business as well, whether with clients or on the business. If it was anyone else but you, you'd be paying them. Right. So you need to, like, we need to think about that and really value ourselves and show our team right. that that's that's how we roll. Like, this is a professional business. I think that's where the professionalism starts to ebb away.
1: Absolutely, right there
0: with the owner. Yeah,
1: you know, and I think the other thing that's so important as an industry, you know, and what drives a lot of our passion now is that we sincerely hope to make an impact in the industry for future owners, whether it's our team and they want to be owners or whoever. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think you have to look at even in any industry, why we hold ourselves to a different, like, Oh, we're, we're hair salons. We're hairstylists. We're going to say, Hey, we can own a sales company because that's what we are. Whether people want to own that or not, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a feels ugly or feels dirty to somebody. It's, that's not the intention. But the reality of it is if you start to study business and you study sales companies, nobody pays the commission rates that salons are made to feel like they have to pay in order to be worth something to the people that want to work there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's the reality of it. And that's why we lose so many good salons because it's not sustainable.
0: It's not. And I think that's where if people can reframe and look at it a little bit different. And it really does start with them, right? Like you had to go on your own personal journey about what you thought about yourself to even be able to hold the business that you have right now.
1: Yeah. Doing that after being so insecure, like to finally just stand up and say, you know what? No. No, I'm not. I'm either gonna lose myself completely, along with losing my mind, or I'm gonna figure this out and I and I'm willing to take the journey.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that like, you can't fake it there. Like it's not fake it till you make it. Like you really have to do the work of being like, I'm just not, I have to dig in and deal with these insecurities or I cannot carry what I need to. I can't say yes when I need to say yes, no when I need to say no. Mm-hmm. So in this whole process, what can you say? Is there a specific thing that you can say has been most rewarding for you?
1: You know what I honestly think the most rewarding piece of it for me was when I finally was able to allow people to be accountable for their own actions and then you watch their journey and you watch them grow through their I mean we all have heartache. So I I would constantly want to fix everyone's heartache because I didn't want it to be as hard for them. I didn't want them to struggle
0: mm-hmm. with
1: you know, insecurity. I think that that's it. I didn't want them to have the insecurity being, whether it's being behind the chair, being in a relationship, whatever it is, I was constantly trying to fix. And when I realized it's not mine to fix, but I can be here and be a support for people. But sometimes being that support also means allowing them to just go through it, but to know you're there that's the most rewarding when you see someone's marriage get like, whether I have an employee who was struggling tremendously and felt that she was at the end of her marriage and through support with the business, as well as her own growth and encouraging that she was able, they were able to fix that. So then all of a sudden you see relationships getting better. You see relationships among team members getting better. And that to me, income's getting better, people buying homes. That's the most yeah. rewarding part. Like you get to oh, watch right. all these people build their futures in a place that you created.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Well, Nicole, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with everyone today. Where can they find you online? What's your Instagram? What's your salon? So our salon is
1: Blue A Color Salon. Um, mm-hmm. Our Inst- we have an Instagram at Blue Color Salon. Also, Facebook, um, same thing at Blue Color Salon. On Facebook, I am under Reinventing Beauty, as well as on Instagram under Reinventing Beauty. Okay, so awesome. I would love to connect with whoever, and they, they can always message me with questions. I'm always happy to share what you know, where we're at, and how we structured our stuff. So.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I don't know about you, but I got so much out of that conversation with Nicole. Her transparency about where she's been and where she's going was so amazing. I've gotten to witness her career, like I said, kind of In the fringes, I've seen her in education. I've seen her, you know, doing stuff for fashion week and all of these things. But I didn't know everything that went to getting there. And I'm so glad that I got to hear more of her story. And I think the thing that stuck out from this episode for me was when she said that she couldn't control everything. When she had to really learn that and admit that to herself. And it was at a really intense, low point. And... That is so amazing. I'm so grateful that she decided to dig her heels in and make changes for her that have now overflowed into her business and into her life that really allow her to sustain the business that she has now. I would encourage you to check out what they're doing. Salon Blue. I know she said it at the end of her interview and that blue is spelled B-L-U and they're in St. Louis, Missouri. So if you heard yourself at all, when we were talking today, and if you really need to leave insecurity behind, you need to take a really hard look at your business. There has never been a better time than 2020 to take a look. So you can go ahead and head to leadtothink.com and you can book yourself right into my calendar and we can talk about what's working what's not working and creating a plan ahead for your business. We'll look at your business and what's not working and help craft a plan of what you need to do to move forward. This session is completely complimentary. We'll spend about 45 minutes just going through where you are and what you really want. This is one of my favorite things to do with other business owners. It helps you get perspective because I'm not in your business every day. So I can help you kind of see the forest for the trees and know what needs to be done, what your next steps are. So again, if you want to head to leadtothink.com and it'll bring you to my calendar. If there's anything you'd like to see us address with other owners in this podcast, do you have questions that you need asked go ahead and send an email to heartandata at gmail.com and we'll be in touch. I'll see you on next week's episode.